Oh, hi, 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 hi. Yes, that's right. You've reached off the subject. Please leave a message after the tone. Beep. Hi, it's Allie and James. What's going on? Let's drop the subject. Uh, James, how are you? So I uh, was just calling to, uh, <laughs> you know, the best one. Uh, Jim Bob, this is your dad. Uh, I'm just leaving you a voicemail so <laughs> you can uh, know to call me back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so- dad. <laughs> I, I love the parent having to identify themselves both in text and in voicemail. It's that great. I don't know what, when that starts. Like, if I have a kid, does that just immediately imprint itself into my brain? Because Which, my right. mom does, hey, it's mom. And, and then my dad, you know, love dad in text messages. I'm like, uh-huh. I know, I've got your number saved. Do you not know that? <laughs> I wonder if it's something that happens, like, I don't know, like, we, li- I've literally been hearing both of your voices since the womb. I'm pretty good at figuring <laughs> out which voice is on my voicemail. Just, uh, yeah. and it's, I mean, I love it, right? It's so endearing. And I am so, I am so incredibly lucky to have all four of my parents, right? Like, I, I, I get that right now, and they're, they're all aging and whatever. And so I'm, I actually have, I think in my 40s now, I'm sort of turning the corner a little bit on it. I'm like, oh, it's super cute that my dad's trying really hard to text. And yes, every text ends with like, love you, dad. <laughs> yeah, Aww. XO dad. I <laughs> know, it is sweet. I Also, is that what your dad calls you, Jim Bob? Or was that just an example? Uh, so I have a thousand nicknames. Um, but one of them is, yeah, he used to call me Jim Bob Louie, like from the cartoon. It was like uh, Jim Babalui was the sidekick of somebody in a, like an old cartoon. And so my brother was the cartoon character, whoever that was. If listeners, if you guys know, tweet us at DTS show. I can't remember the cartoon, but the sidekick's name was Jim Babalui. And I was always like my, my big brother's little sidekick. Okay. I will be calling you Jim Bob from now on. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm down with that. Whatever. Allie and Jim Bob in the morning. Allie and Jim Bob. I mean, in the, or in the afternoon. I'll tell you. Right? <laughs> Allie and Jim Bob. I feel like the gays would be like, who is Jim Bob? Who's Jim Bob. And then they find out I'm some little slice. Big queen. <laughs> <laughs> who's, that, who's that macho man? Allie and Jim Bob. And, and then Jim it's like Bob. me and my heels. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey, guys. So we We've got quite a show lined up. Of course, we're going to talk to Jason Carter a little later. He's going to be uh, schooling us on what's going on in pop culture. Gabrielle Union made the news. She revealed a lot about the uh, America's Got Talent fiasco. Of course, we'll hear from Dr. Jen as well. A game. Who tweeted it? Is it someone who hates Ellen or someone who hates Kelly and Conway? I feel like the two are interchangeable at this point, which is shocking. <laughs> and who? <laughs> and Allie... And- Learns to uh, breathe. No, <laughs> no, I am coming out of the fog when it comes to my new new one week of vegetarianism. But the reason, uh, uh, not the reason, but what I wanted to bring up was it is Friday. It's the last day of the week, uh-huh. and it is also my wife Katie's last day of work. Oh, she's starting a new right. job. Yeah, and so Yay. she has to. This is her last little meeting. Literally, in I think the next few minutes, she's going to start her final Zoom meeting with everyone to say her goodbyes. But it got me thinking about, you know, last day of the week, last day of work. What is the best last day of something? When you think of last day of senior year of high school, that feeling that is coursing through your veins all day when it's your last day of that history class, mm. you're like, this is the last day. It's the last time I have to do this. Then now on to the geometry. It's the last day that I really have to learn about these angles. You know, and you have that adrenaline pumping, but is that the best last day? Or is the, the best last day of a job you hate 
the best thing ever? Oh, man. This is a great question, Allie. What's the best last day of anything? Because we immediately go to work and school. But I wonder if there are other things. Like, was your last day of physical therapy pretty good, right? Like, I'm sure that was pretty, like, you're like, yeah, I don't get tortured in physical therapy anymore. Well, my last day of physical therapy was a Zoom physical therapy. And he was like, I think we're done. And I was like, oh, all right. Mm. And he was like, take care. I was like, okay. And I also didn't know. It, it's also when you know it's the last day that changes it. I didn't know that that was my last day of physical therapy. But last day of being in a cast, mm, you know, huge. when you know that day that you're going to get that boot off. You know, I know you've had a couple of boots in your life. <laughs> I name them. <laughs> I've had so many. Jim I Bob and Louie. <laughs> right, right. Suzette. <laughs> so, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. But last day of, I mean, you're having your last day of getting your doctorate pretty soon. What's that like? Is that as exciting as last day of senior year? I mean, are you having doctoritis, senioritis type Whoa. vibes? Yeah. I mean, you're sort of not allowed to have doctoritis because there's this like dissertation thing constantly hanging over you that like you're literally like, turn it in. Congratulations. You're done. You graduate. And you're like, ah, it's like so fast. I, I feel like my, uh, thank you for asking, Ellie. You're very sweet. But I feel like my my perception is clouded because I, my initial response is the last day of doing this dissertation is the greatest day of my life. Like it's the best last <laughs> right. day ever. Cause it's done. But then I go back to like, I don't know. I feel, I do feel like that last day of high school is something that is very, everyone can relate to almost everyone can relate to. And for most people it's cathartic and a good thing. Like, there are a few people who peaked in high school, but even then they didn't realize they were peaking in high school. So like mm. the last day of high school was still a very, very good day for them, you know? Yeah, they're like, I'm king of school and then I'm going to be king of life. And you're like, mm, yeah, things are going to change <laughs> yeah. for you. But I would yeah. say that last day of senior year is better than last day of college because last day of college has so much like... <laughs> Oh God! You know, you're like, oh, I'm on, I'm out of my security blanket of college, where I have these, you know, all I have is, all I have to worry about is wh which cafeteria I'm going to go to that day, you know, and to right. have to worry about like getting a job and getting your own place and all that stuff. There's so many anxiety, an anxious thoughts and feelings that come from that. But I think I figured out finally after this discussion what is the best last day. Oh yes, please do tell. Best last day of a cleanse. <laughs> Best last day of vegetarianism. Yeah. Is that where we're it's going? Friday, y'all. I'm eating some bacon. <laughs> it's fine. I need some bacon. I've been in vegetarian teen. <laughs> I've been in vegetarian. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Hey, you know, people are going to be going back to work pretty soon. Of course, we are still doing this from home. Still in the same pair of sweats I was on day one. It's Allie Johnson and James Simmons hanging with you this Friday on Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. But when you do get back out there when it comes to your commute to work, what's going on with your pets now? Especially if you adopted a pet during this time. Oh, man. That pet has no idea what your real life is like. All they know is your quarantine life. So it's important that we go through a few steps to help your pet transition back to your work life. And for some, they might be rejoicing. You know, some dogs and cats are like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this much time with you. <laughs> right. Our original arrangement was pretty great. What, what's going on here? Yeah, you're like, I was sleeping for eight hours while you were gone. And now you're looking at me for entertainment. 
What is this? What mm-hmm. do you need from me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, your dog, you, you have a dog. I have two cats. And how ha- do you think your dog is going to get separation anxiety when your husband starts going back into the office or, or whatever? Is, is it going to be a big transition for your dog? It's it's very interesting because he was very used to being alone for long periods. There every once in a while there were some times where he would go twelve hours, which I know is mm-hmm. a little a little long for dogs, and do just fine with it. He was because yeah. he was used to this, and this has sort of been going on for years. Uh, but we just recently left him kind of on purpose. We were like, we both need to leave the house and be gone from him for a while, and not just make a big deal about it. Like we're just going to leave like we normally would, and then come back. And he. I mean, this dog lost his ever-loving mind when we came back. <laughs> he was like bucking was like, and jumping and like happy, like all over the place. And I think it's just he has made the adjustment. He's used to both of us being here. And he's a little bit of an anxious guy anyway. And if he can't, he's got part border collie. So if he he's trying to herd us constantly, and he's mm. only ever really happy if we're both kind of in the same room anyway. So this like I'm in one room doing the show, and Chris is in the <laughs> other room working. Like he's a right. little bit anxious all day long anyway. So I think he also enjoys the sleep though that comes with it. Like I think he was like very well rested because we were both gone. But it also like it did freak him out a little bit. Yeah, he's he's more anxious to to keep you guys in his comfort zone when you guys are home, mm-hmm. and he's not doing that resting. Yeah, I, I my cat has begun to do this thing where she's used to me filling her food bowl seventeen thousand times per day. Oh, and now she's gotten to the point where like I need a break from her. I seriously like she is so needy now that I'm here all the time because she was just <laughs> sleeping for eight hours when I was gone uh-huh. and then she'd be home and be like, hey, do you want to play with this hair tie? And I'd be like, absolutely I do. And now all day long, it's, hey, what's going on? I need a few more kernels of food. Could you please help me out? And then if I don't, it's like she's literally starving. And uh-huh. so she's developing these new needy habits Uh-oh. now that we're home all the time. So I need to get back to work I would like to go to the studio <laughs> so that I can get some space from from my cat, which which is crazy to think about. But there are a few tips here that I thought we could go over when it comes to prepping your pet for going back to work. The first one here is that is doing exactly what you did, James, with your dog, which is to practice leaving the house for shorter periods of time to kind of wean your dog into the experience of you leaving every day. So if you go, you know, for a couple hours on a hike or a walk, if you just leave, go for a drive for a few hours, whatever you feel like you can do, but it will, those shorter separations are sort of like training wheels for the real thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they, I like that you you sort of slowly wean your dog back into this, kind of like you would anything. I, I think maybe the mistake we made was we were gone for like 10 hours the first time we did this. We were like, oh, right. we're leaving for the whole day. Too the, much. the dog yeah. was like, what? you know, um, but I love that. There's a, another one here, um, you know, provide a diversion. And some some people really swear by these things and other people don't. But like automatic toys or like a new toy that you know is safe for your pet or even like the tv for instance um some people just just really swear by the fact that like a human's voices going on is very comforting for your pet and so uh you know and your pets may like that ambient noise so another tip here is like all right so you might need to be leaving the house now your pet not might not be used to this but you can still have human voices around by leaving i don't know drop the subject on uh, I was just going to say that, James. Yeah, uh, thank you, Jim Bob. The radio <laughs> is a great comfort to pets 
or it will make them bury their head in a pillow or lock themselves in a closet to try and get away from this shrill lesbian's voice. But hey, it's worth a try. And then finally, one of the other things you can do is just chill out and stay calm yourself because as we are well aware, animals feed off of our energy all the time. And if we're freaking out, they're definitely freaking out. And I would imagine this has been a a tough experience for them when it comes to quarantine just because our quarantine anxiety has been off the walls. So they're probably having some residual stress just from us being home and being anxious and fighting with one another. So staying calm and chilling out and providing a calm environment for your pet is definitely going to make a big difference as well. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's always really important to remember not to anthropomorphize, mephorpize, I can't say that word, pets. I think you did it right. Thank you. Like, don't give them human thoughts. Like, the your pet cannot rationalize that there's a pandemic going on and this is why you're home. They just feel from you and they're so much better at communicating through these feelings and subtle body language and things like that. They just feel from you that you're stressed or you're angry or you're anxious or whatever. So just remember if you get a little bit calm, if you're not anxious about leaving the house, they won't be because they're really just triggering off of you. Yeah. And you know what? Alexa can always keep them company as well. She's not stressed. She's calm, cool and collected through this whole experience. Well, there you go. Helping Fido remain calm and get used to you going back to work. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. When we come back, Trump around. My God, this guy is going off the rails. And I think he was off them before, but now he's just really in the weeds. We'll talk about that when we get back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. Allie and James. Allie and Jim Bob, rather. And it is Friday, which sometimes we try to keep in a Trump-free Friday. Though this in, this literal Twitter, Twitter battle between Trump and Twitter itself has really taken an interesting turn. So we thought we would cover it with another round of Trump Around. As many of you know, Donald Trump put out some tweets earlier this week about mail-in ballots and how they are meddling in the 20, uh, the 2020 election. 2016. <laughs> uh, meddling there still, as well. Still having a little uh, PTSD on that one, eh, Ellie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, Twitter slapped those fact check labels on those tweets and he has responded by immediately issuing an executive order trying to shut down or change the policy when it comes to social media and so we thought we would kind of go through some of the details of the executive order of course a lot of people don't think this is going to hold up in court at all but it still is it's still happening regardless because it was i mean it was literally 24 hours i've never seen something happen so fast it, it, it was pretty insane and he I, I can't believe that we, you know, some people are on Twitter. I'm not taking credit for this, but some people are on Twitter are saying, are, yeah, on Twitter, ironically, are saying he managed to pull off an executive order to try to stunt the ability to essentially try to censor social media because he says that social media was censoring him. He pulled that off in 24 hours, but. Why did it take three months for the appropriate amount of PPE to happen? Why do we still not have testing in the middle of a pandemic? Like, why are you golfing on the day that we hit 100,000 deaths? Three months, by the way, Allie, I heard that this morning. Our first confirmed case in the United States was three months ago today. 100,000 people have died in three months. And you're wasting time on an... First of all, you're wasting time tweeting this much. Second of all, you're wasting time putting together this executive order by the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America. It it is hereby ordered as follows. You know what? Have your staff 
work on something that's a little bit more valuable, a little bit more important and stop. Uh, I, I was going to swear. I'm not going to do but, it. But, but, but you're, you're absolutely right. And we will read a couple of passages of this because it's just that ridiculous. And also we will read a new tweet that Trump put out that has been that Twitter has essentially clapped back at again, which is amazing of Twitter to do. But th- this is what he does. This is this proves that the things that he is doing are for his own political gain. He's not doing as well in the polls as he wants to be right now. So he goes back to the cornerstones of what got him elected in the first place. Uh, racist uh, fueling racist debates mm-hmm. and 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 firing up his racist uh, supporters and he's he's fired those people up again by by attacking this quote foreign disease right saying that we got this unfriendly gift from China uh-huh. you know putting putting fueling that and gaslighting that xenophobia is is something that is to his benefit and still calling it and the then, China virus he just did that in the last twenty four hours yeah great so so fun and then. All of the things that are going on in Minneapolis and across the nation right now with these protests as resort as as a result of the George Floyd situation and calling the people who are protesting thugs and 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 you know looting leads to shooting and saying those those words are is all it's hate speech in my opinion but also fuels those people yet again so we've he's got that that racism cornerstone of his campaign and then the other aspect of this is the whole fake news and the media and these then the the silencing of conservative voices and that's what that's what the whole twitter thing goes back to is his his idea of of the fact that republican voices are being censored and that the media is spreading this fake news and silencing these these great conservative voices that's what this twitter debate is about it's not about people it's about him and getting reelected and it's about him being mad that he can't say things like verbatim this was the tweet that just most recently got checked by twitter these thugs are dishonoring he that's capitalized by the way are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, and I won't let that happen. So you really care about the memory of George Floyd? Anyway, just spoke to Governor Tim Walls and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty, and we will assume control, but when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you, exclamation point. So Twitter slapped right away a, a warning on this and said this tweet violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. And then you get an option to view whether or not to click if you want to view this tweet or not after you've read Twitter's Twitter's, you know, warning about it. And and listen, Donald Trump is very specifically saying things like the choices that Twitter makes when it chooses to suppress, edit, blacklist, shadow, ban are editorial decisions, pure and simple. Let me remind you that Twitter is a private institution. I have said multiple times on this show, by the way, and to anyone who will listen, I feel like Twitter fuels all the fire. I feel like we are in this crazy madness right now in the world, and a lot of it has to do with Twitter. And I think Jack Dorsey has a lot of of explaining to do, just like Mark Zuckerberg. However, Twitter is a private institution that you sign up and agree to their terms of service. They are not a news organization. You cannot hold Twitter. I'm sorry. This is just the country we live in. I don't like it either, but you can't hold organizations like Twitter to the same standards that you would hold the New York Times. They're fundamentally different organizations. And he goes on about these being editorial decisions. And I think we can say that about others as well, whether you're looking at Google, Facebook, et cetera. No, no, those aren't news organizations, dude. Right. 
Those are companies, for-profit companies. And just on the White House website, it says, this is his, I mean, his, his executive order says, online platforms are engaging. Twitter is now, sorry, Twitter now selectively decides to place a warning label on certain tweets in a manner that clearly reflects political bias. It has been reported Twitter seems to have never placed such a label on another politician's tweet. So he's specifically talking about his tweets, and he's also spreading misinformation in the fact that political bias, they, they, they have placed labels on other politicians' tweets. So this is, I mean, this is going to go nowhere, but it's the, the concept of the thing, and it's ridiculous, and it's obviously for his own gain. Duh! We need a moment. We will be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject, new Channel Q. James and Allie, you know, we have been pretty good during quarantine about, like, trying to manage our paperwork. So, unfortunately, my husband and I are both the same. We're bad about the same thing. We're bad about laundry and we're bad about paperwork. So, we got a big shredder. We're like, all right, let's get this big shredder. We're going to do this. So, now we're, like, way better about the things that come in the mail and we're like all right we're gonna take these things we're gonna shred them right away we're like yeah this is great we're no more paperwork piles around the house this is awesome until i read this article about individuals who are throwing away accidentally their stimulus payments oh my god because they come in an unmarked envelope and some of them come with what looks like an atm or debit card and you know you get those fake ads, right? Those yeah, things so that are like, like you're pre-approved. Here's your yep, and you're like boop right in the trash. My my favorite are like you're pre-approved to apply. Yes, but yeah. I, you fall for those things at the beginning when you're old enough to get a credit card and you start building up credit, and then you you get your first one and you're like, wow, what's this? Is this free money? <laughs> and then you're like, whoa, what is the what are these fake checks that they're giving me? You know, they give you those blank checks sometimes. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And you're like, whoa, this is so cool. And then when you're wise to it, now when you see it, you just throw them immediately away. But yeah, people are getting their stimulus checks in the mail. And I blame junk mail for this. I know everyone was upset with plastic straws. My thing is I'm not gonna let it go. Junk mail is ruining the environment yeah. and it is ruining people's lives right now because they are mistaking their stimulus pe- pe- checks for junk mail and they're throwing them away. And this is, there are already so many people who are, it's taken a really long time for these checks to come out. Now, I will say, like, to the government's credit, I'm not sure the government has ever pulled off getting $2 trillion out to people so fast ever, right? So, like, that was a good thing, but we all knew that this was going to come with some snafus and some things that people maybe didn't even think about. And in an effort to get this money and these checks out really fast, they sort of, the Treasury Department was just like, just do it, just send it out. We don't care what the envelopes look like. We don't care what it said. Now, on the inside, there's a letter that says from the Treasury Department, you've qualified for X amount of dollars of your you know, government COVID-19 stimulus check. Here you go. Or a payment. Your payment has come about 4 million Americans payments have come in the form of a prepaid debit card rather than like a, an actual check or a direct ah. deposit. So ah. there's a website and all of these things and blah, blah, blah. And you have to activate it. So that's another thing, too, is people are like, oh, wait, so I get this card in the mail it's a blank envelope, which would be odd for me coming from the government, right? Usually government envelopes say something on the outside of them. And then you get this letter on the inside that's from the Treasury Department. Yeah, sure. Anyone can make up a Treasury Department letter. And then now you want me to call this number and potentially, I don't know, it doesn't say if you it's have so to scammy. Give, yeah, give additional information. But yeah, it's super scammy. And then we, you know, we do, we've done a segment on the show here about how do you teach like the older people in your life how to avoid like internet scams and things like that. But people are definitely trying to avoid mail scams. I'm not sure I would go through all of this either, but it does make me think, did I shred my 
stimulus payment already right right <laughs> well here's we, there there are there's a, a great reddit thread about people who have thrown out valuable things because i think it happens a lot and it's one of the worst feelings when that happens but before we get to that i have a solution for the treasury department oh yeah okay to make sure nobody ever throws away a piece of mail that's important make the envelope pink and make the address written in grandma handwriting because when oh. I see that, I'm like, oh, there's a check in here. Like, I know that it's so always something least. good. <laughs> when you get an envelope that's in grandma handwriting, you're like, yes. Like, so just, awesome. yeah. So just get a grandma to write the addresses for all the people that still need stimulus checks. I think you can, there's still several more I'm sure you have to send out. Just do that. Make sure nobody will ever throw it away again. I promise you. Yes, and we definitely want to know. Please get at us at DTS Show on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we'll probably share later on throughout the show some things that that people may have accidentally thrown away. There is a great Reddit thread like Ali was mentioning, but we want to hear from you. What are some things that you have accidentally thrown away? Diamond rings, credit cards, mm. AirPods. Oh. Very valuable baseball card collection. That's something that I've thrown away. Uh, so definitely get uh, get at us at DTS Show with that. And when we come back, Jason Carter schools us on entertainment. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject is back with Allie and James. And hey, it's Friday. That's exciting. That's some good news. More good news is that Jason Carter is on with us from the Young Turks, from RuPaul's Drag Race, from CNN and Entertainment Design and all kinds of places. And he is here now on a weekly basis to school us. He is the PC police, the pop culture police. Jason, what have we missed over the last seven days? School us. Por favor. Por favor, guys. Good to be here with you. It has been a week. First of all, we had Memorial Day this weekend. It like, threw me for a loop. I forgot what day it is. Beyond not knowing what day it is because of COVID-19, but Memorial Day really nailed the, the, put the nail in that <laughs> coffin. True. But so much drama when it comes to America's Got Talent and Gabrielle Union. This story is still um, shocking people because last fall, last November, Gabrielle exited the show after one season, which, by the way, her Nielsen rating, she was one of the number one judges on the show. So to see her not come back for season two was definitely jarring for some, but she cited a toxic work environment. And she said this started from day one with Simon Cowell, who is the creator and the, and the producer of the show, smoking on set, which Gabrielle is violently allergic to. And she had to endure that the whole time, which really impacted her health. Going on to making claims of them allegedly telling her to tone down her hairstyles, claiming they were too black for network television. And topping everything off was this sentiment from Jay Leno making a reference to something about Asian restaurants and dog meat. And we know, of course, that that has been the rhetoric in regards to a racist ideal for people of the Asian community. So it's just a lot of things. And she finally came clean on Variety. Now, this is the first time she's actually spoken about what has happened and basically just called out everything that we've known to have been in the zeitgeist when it comes to America's Got Talent. It was a really illuminating article. There's so much there. I implore everyone to go read it. But she's saying that it just was not the best environment at all. And, you know, there we have it. This is just so, like, really telling that there's there's always these, like, two sides to the story, right? And what's one side of the story where it's like, you have one individual who's like, okay, these are the things that are happening and I am telling my truth and whatever. And then you have like the PR machine of the show and of Simon Cowell and of everything else behind it. And I mean, it's, it's obviously, this has been a really sensitive week in terms of race 
but I hate yeah. to bring up race in this and that, but I feel like you have to, and that here we have a very successful, but well known to be very opinionated black woman saying one thing and you have this PR machine and this white executive producer saying something completely different. And everyone sort of falls in this, like, who do we believe what's really going on? But I feel like what motivation does Gabrielle have to lie about this? Right, 100%. She goes on to tell Variety, quote, at the end of all this, my goal is real change. And not just on this show, but for the larger parent company, which she's talking about, NBC Universal. It starts from the top down. My goal is to create the happiest, most high-functioning, inclusive, protective, and healthy example of a workplace. Which, I mean, anyone would want that. And she was fearful even coming forward to talk about her concerns while working on the show because of how she of how toxic she saw the culture and many people echoed her sentiment many unnamed people allegedly have also come forward and said yes gabrielle is not wrong there is this type of work environment there is this type of of toxicity that is in the air on the set of agt but because of who is at the helm and because of a fear-based society that we now know to be true in entertainment people stay mum about it so yeah she is a truth teller but it's like it's sad because her being a truth teller now also impacts her work going forward because is she going to be billed and seen as the problem? She's difficult. Oh, not that actress. She's too vocal. But we need people to be vocal in these times. We absolutely, because without those, change can happen. But at what cost does it come at? You know, at what cost does she, does she pay? Yeah. And I mean, this seems to be the age of the whistleblower, right? I mean, people are just right. speaking up when we need it most. And those whistleblowers are going to probably see some negative effects of making their voices known. But I would hope that over time that would dissipate and it's bringing some things to light in Hollywood that need to be brought to light. And I can't even think of two people who would hate each other more than extremely, extremely heavy smoker and person who is deathly allergic to cigarette smoke. And <laughs> oh, 100%. Also, it's just like, oh my God, why did, you know, if you, if who knew those things going in and was like, yeah, let's put those two in the same room together. That seems like a great idea. And as somebody who used to smoke, the cojones that it takes to sit there and chain smoke indoors and in front of somebody who you know is allergic to cigarettes I mean, that is douchery that I cannot even fathom. It's it's unfathomable douchery and f***ery as well. Bleep that. But, you know, <laughs> also, it's, a, it's illegal. to It's against the law. So right. let's, let's leave that there. But a day earlier this week, Fremantle, NBC, and Psycho, which, of course, is Simon Cowell's production company, issued a statement in regards to the ongoing internal investigation that NBC Universal had in regards to Gabrielle's claims. And they say, quote, through the investigation process, it has been revealed that no one associated with the show made any insensitive or derogatory remarks about Mrs. Union's appearance. They end with, quote, the investigation has shown that the concerns raised by Miss Union had no bearing on the decision not to exercise the option on her contract, meaning that because she made these, these accusations, they weren't factored into, into the decision of her not coming back. Also, Julianne Huff did not return as well. So th th it's, it's ugly. It's ugly. And... I don't see, I don't know how Gabby comes back from this, not career wise, but can retort what they're saying. But I will celebrate Gabrielle and having the bravery to speak her truth. And I think that is priceless and it stands for so much. So kudos to her for doing that because I think she has now ascended into the ranks of people who will be on the forefront for even more change in, uh, in other areas of just well, wrongs of done against. Of yeah, of absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yes, 100%. Very good. Yes. Well, I, I think you're right. She has ascended to that place with that. And uh, we have, there are some more juicy, wonderfulness going on in entertainment with Jason Carter. Jason, stick around with us. Can you do that? 
Oh, 100%. Yes, I'm here. I'm here for the long haul, you guys. Awesome. Very good. This is Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. It is Friday, and you know what that means. We are joined again, continuing on with the lovely Jason Carter, who is doing the PC police thing. Pop culture police, that is. Kind of a sensitive topic this week, I understand, but it is all about Jason schooling us on what's going on in pop culture. And Jason, I am really conflicted about this. So I feel like I'm one of those people that is now, especially during COVID, subscribed to every single thing that has come my way. I've been like, all right, I need another distraction from the dissertation. So let me sign up for this thing, especially because it's like 90 days for free. Well, sure enough, earlier this week, HBO Max launched. And I got a little thing that said seven day free trial. And I was like, no, James, you're not going to do it this time. You're not going to do it. But then they have such juicy, amazing content. So like, do we do this or not? We definitely do this. And by the way, I'm also upset because my credit card has had so many charges of the after seven day trial that it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous because my, I myself have subscribed to everything under the sun, but HBO Max is amazing to the max in that not only does it give us every single episode of Friends, yay, and all the DC catalog you can handle, it also gives us this really cool show called Legendary. Now, original programming is what is at the helm of a lot of these new streaming services, Apple TV Plus with the morning show, etc. But Legendary is unique because it is this amalgamation of America's Next Best Dance Crew with Paris is Burning, which if you have not seen Paris is Burning, I can't help your life. With a little bit of a RuPaul's Drag Race, with a little bit of America's Next Top Model, all thrown into this yummy and juicy, delicious gumbo of just entertaining television that we've never seen before. So let's break it down. This is a show about the ballroom culture, which started back in the early 80s and really was founded by trans and LGBTQ+, Hispanics, Blacks, and Latinx people. So you have voguing, which is at the center of all this, a way to, to be fabulous. You have these houses like La Beja, House of Ninja, that have created this, this legacy of just glamour and fabulosity, if that's the word. And now HBO is bringing that in a competition show, which at first seemed a little like, really? This is how we're going to do the legacy of something that's so nichely beautiful? We're going to make it a competition show with judges that only one of them really has the cred. Leomi Maldonado, who is a trans-voguing legend. Trans-voguing legend. She's the only one on the judges panel, which is comprised of Megan Thee Stallion, random, uh, La Roach, who in his own right, in his own field of fashion and and style, is a god. And then you have Jamila Jamil, who is outspoken on social media. She's definitely a stand for marginalized groups of people. But again, her cred in voguing, where is it? Show me their receipts. Where's the lie? I don't think there's a lie there. I don't think she has one. But I digress. The show is made up of nine teams from nine houses. All teams have five contestants competing in different categories of Vogue. So you have face, you have pose, you have fashion, you have realness, all these really cool things. And it's just over the top. It's a lot at first, but once you get into it, it's truly mesmerizing. Absolutely compelling television at its finest. Wow. It seems like they just pulled seven different reality shows out of a hat and put them together and they were like, make it happen. Like, I'm surprised it's not on an island and has like a survivor aspect to it as well. (laughs) 
I mean, they're all in houses. So, but then Jamila Jamil didn't, wasn't she getting crap for being a judge on this? And then that's what led to her coming out as queer because she was like, this is why I didn't want to come out was because I feel like people have all these preconceived judgments of who I am and what I stand for. Well, yeah. And, and that's, and that is a whole conversation in itself because I feel like Jam- Jamila Jamil has been very vocal about about her queerness previously, but inserting her into this judge's role, to me, it's like, okay, of all the people you could get to judge voguing authentically that are still alive from that time, I understand Jamila Jamil is going to bring in the clicks, the likes, the views, etc. But when it comes to authenticity to critiquing these teams and these, these houses, I'm sorry, that are spectacular, just the level of athleticism and their commitment to the art of voguing is so impressive. You want to have someone who's going to do it justice. And so Jamila Jamil was just very, it was just a very weird, I don't know, weird choice, but Hey, going on and watching, watching the further episodes, I see why she's there. And also she's, she has really great one-liners. Another person who's random, Megan the stallion, Megan's hot right now. Number one record with Beyonce. And I get it. She, she's for, she, she's a draw for the culture. But again, couldn't you find somebody else of the culture, of voguing, of ballroom to fill that spot? It's, it's very well done. The production value is what you're going to get from HBO Max. They have millions of dollars to throw out this. And it's making history again because we had Pose be the first of its kind to put trans women and men at the forefront in leading roles. This has more people of the trans experience than Pose does. So it's like you have this wonderful representation, right? so much great representation that you can't help but fall in love. And then the host, Deshaun Wesley, he is the master of ceremonies, you guys. Amazing. That was a good look. That's a good fit. He's incredible. I could just watch a show of him introducing these houses (laughs) for days because he's that great. He knows what's up. He gets it. Johnny Wujek serves as one of the uh, clothing designers and, and the fashion consultant. Of course, he's worked with everyone from Lady Gaga to Katy Perry. He's great. And the stories of these ball houses, the stories of these of these people and their and their adversity and the love they didn't receive and how they had to overcome so much to be who they are and the and how family and friends are the family that you choose is just it brings you to tears every episode because there are some people who have been through some things. Mm. So HBO's getting it right. Um, definitely give it a watch though and see how you feel about it because there's some things they could do better, but hey, it's the first season, so I'm sure season two is gonna be even better. Well, thank you so much for that, Jason. I love, by the way, that I've been watching Laomi do uh, ball house voguing and like slaying people left and right on YouTube for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years, before, years. Uh, yeah, her dance, I think it was um, uh, So You Think You Can Dance or whatever she was on before. And I just, she's a legendary. So at least they have one legendary mother from the house on the show. So thank you very much for that. And thank you, of course, for our weekly recap, Jason Carter. We hope you have a fantastic weekend, love. Thank you, James. Thank you, guys. Uh, always a pleasure to stop by Drop the Subject. You guys be well. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It. Always good to hear from Jason Carter. And now we move on to News It or Lose It. I have three stories in front of my eyeballs. And James, you have three decisions to make to news or lose whatever you choose. Ooh, you're rhyming today. Nice. Here's your first headline. Judge clears man who broke into wrong house to fulfill client's BDSM sex fantasy. Ah, uh, yeah. Happy Friday, everybody. <laughs> We're going to ding that one. Oh, 
I'm not, <laughs> shoot, I moved my dinger finger finger. Sorry, Jesse, clean that one up. You know, Jason Carter influenced you. He did. All right. He he beeped something. I guess it was my turn to beep something. Sorry about that, Brian. <laughs> Why headline number two? Sorry, Brian. Why some moms are refusing their own kids' Facebook requests. Facebook friend requests. Oh, yeah, because I'm about ready to cancel her too. Ding. <laughs> and then finally, headline number three, Grimes is selling her soul to the highest bidder. What? Okay, yeah, we got to make a... Congratulations, Allie. You have gotten three stories almost every day this week. I am super proud of you. Okay, thank you. I'm proud of myself as well. And Grimes, we'll start with her. She's obviously just had a baby. She's got mom brain, and she is selling her soul to the highest bidder on Twitter, apparently. But this is all part of an elaborate art project because Grimes is opening her first ever fine art show this week with simultaneous online exhibitions through a gallery platform in Los Angeles. It's starting today through June 3rd. And uh, the, the show is titled Selling Out, which includes drawings, prints, photographs, and conceptual art pieces. And I guess part of this, actions like selling her soul, are reflections on her life in the limelight, especially after coupling up with Elon Musk. So this is kind of an art statement. She's selling her soul to the highest bidder. How emo. I... I'm really sorry to everyone out there and drop the subject land that I news this story. <laughs> we will never get this minute and 17 seconds back. I, I'm done with Grimes. I'm not canceling her. She can do whatever she wants. I personally am done with Grimes. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Let's talk about moms refusing their own children's Facebook friend requests. <laughs> this is great. So, of course... Facebook, I feel like, is for more parents now. I see more parents on Facebook than anything else. And normally, if, if you were... I, I remember you know, 10, 15 years ago when Facebook was just becoming a big thing. And I you know, had my Facebook profile and I was getting friending all my friends from college and beyond in high school. And then you get that dreaded friend request from your mom and you're like, oh... Uh, what do I do? What do I do? If I say, <laughs> if I ignore it, then obviously my mom's going to ask me about it. So my, I'm friends with my mom and everyone's friends with their family now, right on Facebook. But there are some moms saying that they don't want their teens or their kids following them on any of their social media platforms, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, because they don't want to think about whether their posts are appropriate for their kids. Oh. They just, they want, they don't want to put every post through that would I say this to my kids filter. And they're also worrying about past or even current photos that are showing them engaging in behavior that they would mm -hmm. discourage to their teens and kids like drinking. Others worry about family secrets being revealed. Oh my. But they also worry about their mom venting on Facebook negatively affecting their kids. <laughs> I think this is a real thing, though. Because, listen, Facebook, whether we like it or not, there are pictures out there. Remember, Facebook only allowed you to decide whether or not you would let pictures be tagged with you on them just a few years ago. So if Facebook's been around for about 15 years, you said, more or less. So mm -hmm. there's that stuff you did That's back... 20, I would imagine. Yeah, back in the like day. But that people took pictures of and posted that you don't even know are out there. 
But that stuff is going to show up, right? When Facebook is like, remember when you did this thing in 2007? And you're like, oh, God, like, ah, no, I don't remember because I was inebriated. Can we please remove that? And now your kids are going (laughs) to see it. I'm totally with your moms. I'm totally with anybody, right, who wants to be as private as they want to be on Facebook or not even have Facebook. Right, especially if you created that first Facebook profile and now you can't delete it. You've created another one, a whole new greater image, and the the other (laughs) identity will always remain there. Uh All right, let's talk about BDSM fantasies going wrong. A judge has cleared a man who broke into the wrong house in order to fulfill his client's BDSM sex fantasy. Gay, gay, or cray, cray? It is gay, gay. Nice. Um, A New South Wales man has been cleared of charges stemming from an accident where he was one of two men that was hired to carry out a stranger's sexual fantasy of being tied up while clad in his underpants. He, uh, I guess it was a case of mistaken identity because they went into the wrong house, but he was supposed to be paid $5,000 if it was, quote, really good. And the man got off. (gasps) Allie. He got off in court. Uh-huh. Oh, oh okay. in court. In court. Ha, ha, ha. In court. Yeah. Sorry, in, Brian. In, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Brian. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. James Q. Simmons, guest co-hosting with your Ali Johnson. It is Friday. We are happy that you are with us. Thanks for coming along. We always want to hear from you at DTS Show. Uh, and while we are not reporters... We are not a journalism agency. We are in the media. And uh, a member of the media got arrested whilst doing his job on live TV yesterday covering the uh, protests going on in Minneapolis right now. Of course, uh, because of the the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and there's several others, Ahmaud Arbery. You know, these protests have, have been going on and CNN's covering this. Like lots of news organizations, Fox News is there, MSNBC, local affiliates, etc. And in the middle of his live coverage, he gets arrested by police. And what's so interesting about this is that as the police are marching down the road towards where him and his entire crew have set up, so a producer and then a camera person or there, a TV photojournalist, if you will, they're all sitting there. And as the police come, he says... We'll get out of your way. Tell us where to go. We want to, we want to move out of your way. Well, sorry we were here. We'll move out of your way. Just tell us where you want to go. And the police say nothing. So- yeah, it's so weird because you see the video because it's all caught on video. Like you said, they were rolling and they and there were it was him and I think there were a t- four of them total. They all got arrested and they had no they were not told why they were arrested. In fact, they were not told anything. And it's so creepy in this video where you literally just see these guys, these cops in their uh, face shields and their um, you know riot gear and. They're just sitting there not responding. And the guy's going, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to move? We'll move anywhere. And them just standing there creepily staring at them with no response. It, isn't, that, isn't that crazy? And they, they were... It's, it's just really frustrating. Uh, and, that, and, and to add to this, the, the reporter, Omar Jimenez, is, is darker skinned. He's black yeah. and Latino. The photojournalist, Mr. Kirkos, is white. And the producer that was there, Mendez, is Hispanic. There was another CNN reporter in the area, not in the exact same area, but in the area named Josh Campbell, who was white, who was also approached by police and asked to identify himself. And they said, okay, you're permitted to be in the area area because you're media. 
So then if you go back to Mr. Omar Jimenez, who's there doing his job, he's literally waving his CNN photojournalist badge in their faces. The the other you can hear Kirkos and the TV the, the other guys his producer saying what, we're we're with CNN we're broadcasting live like you know you're live on TV right now and what I think upset me the most about this is that the live on television the police go and arrest him he's holding a microphone in front of a camera with like lights and and a CNN badge around like it's pretty hard to fake all this stuff he's is getting arrested then he says why am I being arrested and they do not respond right. And they have, don't they have to tell you why you're they, being arrested? You have to. You have to have proper cause and you have to acknowledge that proper cause to the person that you're arresting. And so here is a black man being arrested literally while he's working as a journalist covering the news. And then about you, a black I'm, man getting murdered, about a black man getting <laughs> murdered by police officers like there. This is. I don't believe it's irony, but it is coincidental. It is just another example of like. And, and these things are so hard to put your finger on, right? When you talk about like what institutional racism look like looks like, and you don't you don't have to be lynching someone for it to be racist. And I think people a lot of times people don't understand. They're like, "Well, I'm not racist because because you don't burn a cross in your yard and wear a KKK like hood to the grocery store." No, you're right. You don't do those things, but it doesn't mean that you're not racist. It doesn't mean that the system isn't racist. It doesn't mean that these things don't happen. And it's pretty, it's pretty unbelievable. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, we talked about Christian Cooper earlier in, in the week about, you know, the whole Central Park thing that happened. And he mentioned this, too. He was like, what Amy Cooper said, like, she's saying she's not a racist. And I know that she believes that. And, you know, there are other situations where I'm sure she's not, but she has to recognize that the thing that she said and did was in itself racist. So, you know, you, I think you make a good point about the burning crosses. Before we go, I wanted to also mention something that, that Donald Trump tweeted about this. He made some jabs at the mayor of Minneapolis and how he's handling this. And the mayor had something to say about it. So here's what Donald Trump's tweet said. And then I will play the response, the verbal response from Jacob Frey, who is the mayor of Minneapolis. Donald Trump said, I can't stand back and watch this happen to a great American city, Minneapolis, a total lack of leadership. Either the very weak, radical left mayor, Jacob Frey, get his act together and bring the city under control, or I will send in the National Guard and get the job done right. Here's what Jacob had to say about it. Well, Let me say this. Weakness is refusing to take responsibility for your own actions. Weakness is pointing your finger at somebody else during a time of crisis. Donald Trump knows nothing about the strength of Minneapolis. We are strong as hell. Is this a difficult time period? Yes, but you better be damn sure that we're gonna get through this. Mm, Three snaps for Jacob. Come on, Jacob Frey, get it, miss, yes. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject on Friday. It is James Q. Simmons guest co-hosting with your Ali Johnson. We're happy that you are here with us. And uh, we believe that there are some folks in the media who have been getting a lot of shade, a lot of hate on Twitter. And uh, one of them is this lovely voice. Let's let's see if you recognize. People are very proud to show up and go to the polls. They really are. I mean, they wait in line for a Georgetown cupcake for an hour to get a cupcake. So I think they can probably wait in line to do something as consequential and critical and constitutionally significant 
as cast their ballot. Kind of, oh, kind of funny that you can literally hear tweeting during that. Right. <laughs> you can. Tweet, 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 tweet. How very funny. Tweet, 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 tweet. There he goes. Oh, that yes. was one person getting a lot of shade online this week. That is Kellyanne Conway, everyone, who compared voting to standing in line to get cupcakes, which, incidentally, the place where she mentioned standing in line to get a cupcake hasn't been open for cupcakes for people to stand in line in for about three months. <laughs> yeah, she's getting a lot of hate, but also another person has been getting hate since the quarantine started. Our favorite. Miss Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> so we thought this would Who be a perfect no right. opportunity. Right, right, right. She could do no right. We thought this would be a perfect opportunity to play our uh, beloved game, Who Tweeted It? We will discuss who tweeted this. A Kellyanne Conway hater or an Ellen DeGeneres hater? Because believe it or not, there are Ellen DeGeneres haters out there even before all of this started. So... In an, another twist here on Drop the Subject, I am running the game show today, ha ha ha, and Allie has to do the guessing. Yes, I am ready and rolling. I'm ready to go, and I feel like, yes, these both of these women are, I, I would say, in their 40s, 50s. They're about the same age. They've, they've also both got blonde hair, so the identifiers that I usually would be using in this situation are... Probably aren't going to work. Might make, make it a little bit harder. I will put my thinking cap on, which is really just a beanie. <laughs> I will put my thinking beanie on. Here's the first tweet, Allie. I'll give you a, a kind of an easy one to start. You're deciding if this is a Ellen DeGeneres hater or a Kellyanne Conway hater. The tweet says, all jokes aside, this woman is toxic and downright disgusting towards her workers and guests, and it's about time she gets held accountable for her actions. I mean, in the fact that one person is LGBT and the other one is anti-LGBT, and the fact that they're both getting like an equal amount of hate <laughs> online, is kind of, I'm going to go ahead and say, I mean, guests, that's kind of a giveaway. I'm going to go Ellen. Yeah, very good. Ding, 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 ding. Yay, Jesse's going to put in ding, ding, dinging noise for us there, right? You got the first one right. All right, congratulations. I think this is about the best you've ever done in any game on Drop the Subject Alley. <laughs> Shut other, up. I'm only other one than, um, what was it? Dark Evil People Price is Right or whatever we played last week. That game. Dark Web Price is Right. Yeah. I was really good at that one, too. I yeah. guessed the right price of an elbow. So elbows and trolls. That's uh, what you're pretty good at. All right. Tweet number two. This one might also be a little bit easy for you. <laughs> Thrive on baby blood, huh? That is actually pretty tough. Mm. Well, because we did talk yesterday about how Ellen was raiding the babies of her staffers and everyone was very unhappy about it. I think normally is something that make, would make people laugh, but it doesn't work anymore. But I'm going to actually go Kellyanne on this one. I feel like it's graphic enough that someone would say something like that to Kellyanne. Maybe not so graphic yet in the Ellen department. I'm going Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway, final answer. You are Allie Johnson. Incorrect. Damn it. <laughs> it's about Ellen. Wah, wah. That was Goran Nielsen. <laughs> so they're getting out their pitchforks, man. They're mad. I mean, they are super mad, right? Um, Here's the next one. Also very similarly themed. You not in jail yet? Still eating babies? Show us all <laughs> your new ankle jewelry. Face vomit emoji. Nausea emoji. Face vomit emoji. 
Emoji. Emojis. Okay. Sorry, yes. Okay, will we read that one again? Yep. You not in jail yet? Still eating babies? Show us all your new ankle jewelry. <laughs> Still eating babies. Okay, I don't know if Ellen can be accused of eating babies. I mean, that just seems like it's out of hand. I've got to go Kellyanne on this. Ankle jewelry is definitely Kellyanne Conway. She would definitely be an anklet wearer. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, Kellyanne Conway's your answer. You are yes. wrong. It's Ellen DeGeneres what? again. <laughs> oh my god! Are these all Ellen? Uh, no, 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 no. We have we have tweets here uh, from from both Kellyanne and Ellen. Here we go. Um, she's literally the first person I'm eating when we eat the rich. <laughs> Ellen, that's gotta be Ellen. You are correct, Allie Johnson. That was about <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. Way to go. How did you ever guess? Um, here's one. You get, you get uh, this one is maybe the hardest one. Tiebreaker? As a tiebreaker. Ti- right. There's no tie. All right. You're, 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 with myself. I think you got two right, two wrong here. Um, I always knew blank was such a fake bitch. I mean, that's that got to be Ellen again. Congratulations, Ali Johnson. You got it. It's Alan DeGeneres. Here we are on who tweeted it. And guess what? Everyone hates Ellen. Apparently more. loves cupcakes. More than they, right, than they hate Kellyanne Conway or cupcakes. Congratulations, Ali Johnson. I think you may have just won a game. Thank, I think I finally did. I caught on the Ellen train, the Ellen did, did not so generous train, and I came out victorious. When we get back, we will learn about sexting from Dr. Jen. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. It is Friday, which means that Allie and James are here with you as always. And we're joined by Dr. Jen Mann, licensed psychotherapist. Hey, Dr. Jen, earlier in the week, a listener shared with us that uh, because of all of the lovely conversations we've been having with you, he decided to pick up your book. Oh, I love that. I love when people pick up the relationship picks. Yeah. And he, I believe, is going to do the relationship questions, those 36 questions, because they worked so well for my relationship. It was a ringing endorsement. So hopefully he will then move on to the sexual inventory in the back of the book so he can learn about how to connect sexually even more with his partner. That is exactly what we are about to talk about. And whether you're quarantined with your partner or you're with your or you're long distance, which is a whole other thing that is happening. A lot of couples are trying to stay connected long distance. We're talking dirty talk, when to start it, how to do it. Are there different lung, love languages versus sex languages? How do you know dirty talk is right for you? Well, I think the dirty talk has the potential to be right for anybody. Oh. <laughs> oh. I to think of it as kind of three levels. There's like beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And the beginner, you know, might be more like, you know, things like, I want you to make love to me, or like, you know, those kind of much more kind of um, benign, not quite as graphic. And then the intermediate is a little more graphic that maybe it involves specific things that you want, but maybe not words that are scary for people to say or might upset other people. Because, you know, one of the things about dirty talk is that there are a lot of words that in your day-to-day language, if you heard them, you might not like them so much. But in the bedroom, when your partner's talking about 
those things, you might enjoy it. Like for example, the C word, you know, if someone calls you that you're going to be insulted. But if your partner says, I'd like to do this to your C word, you might love it. It might make you scream in ecstasy. So those kind of things are more the advanced stuff, the more graphic, the kind of words that we don't necessarily use in common parlance that are a little more controversial. Okay. So I'm sitting here totally turning into a a 10 year old (laughs) and listen, I am someone who very often am. So I used to be very heavily involved in the, in the uh, sort of leather BDSM community uh, when I lived in Chicago and when I was single and I offer from a medical standpoint, you and I sort of do this differently, but like medical sex, you know, recommendations, right. And how to stay safe and things like that, whatever. And, but at the, I have such an, like a hard time coming up with how to be verbal and getting to that place. Uh, and, and, and this is with, You're you know, my partner or someone. I'm, yeah. yeah. Like, honestly, I would, I'm much more comfortable, like being in an environment, like hand me the whip, we'll grab the, the harness and we'll do whatever. And here's the toys and blah, blah. I have no problems doing that. I have problems talking about it Which is and so funny. saying it. Verbal guy. I, right, right. Like I literally, I like talk for a living. And so I, it is, I think it's just the funniest thing. And so from, you can think of me as well, but for everyone listening who is sort of like, all right, I love my quarantine partner. Like I want to spice things up. We've been together for like a really long time, especially in the last three months. How do you get there though? Right? Like how do you get to like, how do you break I'm the ice? Try to say this thing. Yeah. Well, first of all, the most common fears that people have are, I'm going to say something that I'm going to offend my partner or I'm going to take it too far, or they're going to think I'm a freak. And that last one is especially significant with long-term relationships where you're like, oh, I can't talk to my wife like that. I can't say that to my husband. He'll think I'm a slut. She'll think I'm a freak, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of break that down and and have that discussion with our partner. Say like, hey, I want to try something new. Let's try talking dirty. What are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? And I recommend that couples who are just starting out talking dirty, sit down and go through it. Actually, in my book, in this sexual inventory, where I have all of these questions for couples to ask each other, there's a a section on dirty talk. There's a list of words, phrases, body parts for couples to go through the list and say, like, are you comfortable with me using this word in bed? Yes or no. And also that way, it's kind of neutral. It's not me saying, oh, I'd like to use this word with you. And then you going like, oh, you freak. Are you kidding me? No way. I had no idea you wanted to talk like that. Like, that's crazy. Instead, it's this neutral list that some freak therapist like me made up. <laughs> where you get to go like, oh, she's nuts. Can you believe she's even asking if we use this word? And also sometimes people want to use the word, but they don't want to have to own it and be like, hey, is it okay if I use this word? Which is why I created that list in the sexual inventory. Okay, I have a couple questions. One, are you supposed to do those independently of one another, like anonymously? versus being next to each other and going like, did you check, did you check the C word? Cause I'm no, not no, you do it together. And, and what you're doing is you're saying like, is it like, it is, is it okay to use this word? Like, Hey, let shrinks like me use medical terms on radio. So let's say the word penis. Is it, it will say like, is it okay if I use the word penis? Yes or no. Is it okay if I use the word vagina? Yes or no. Is it okay if I use the word sex? Yes or no. So you go through the list and obviously it gets far more racy than those kind of more medical terms. And that way it's not, it, it's not 
I'm making a request to say this. All it is is this neutral list that this other person made. Am I comfortable with you using this word in bed? Yes or no. It makes it really easy. And what's the what's the last one on the list? Could you say that on the radio? <laughs> Probably not if you want to stay on the air. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. When we get back, we're going to continue talking to Dr. Jen about dirty talk, whether it's right for you, which Dr. Jen seems to think it is great for everybody. But it depends on how close quarters you're into as well. If you need to get more creative when you're long distance, we're going to talk about that when we get back right here on Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Drop the Subject is back couple of dirty bad boys and girls that's who oh, we are so yes dirty you're you so slapping naughty. Th- yeah th- i obviously am not great at it i'm just uh kind of breaking the ice here <laughs> was that, Allie your attempt, and James. that was your attempt at, <laughs> well you know at, but, like, dirty yeah dirty bad dirty girl dr jen is there a psychology or have there been studies done about why people like being degraded like being called dirty and bad in bed but then when we're outside of the bedroom we're trying to do good you know it's, it's a great question i haven't read any i'm sure that there yeah. are but i think that a big part of what makes sex especially quote-unquote dirty sex so exciting and great is it it's taboo that we tend to really enjoy in bed the things that are most taboo. I mean, a lot of the trends that are happening right now, now if you if you look at porn, if you look at kind of what the trends are that people are even talking about on TV, there's a lot of like daddy, you know, mommy, stepmom, milf, like a lot of kind of breaking the boundaries of like what is considered to be socially acceptable. And, you know, it, it's Esther Perel's who said that our sexual fantasies are not politically correct. And I think it's really important to have great sex. We have to be able to tell our partners are not politically correct fantasies because that's what really opens up the bedroom. And it's also what creates a whole other level of intimacy. When you can say to your partner, like, hey, like, can I call you daddy or like, whatever your thing is and they're like yeah that's cool yeah, like stepdaddy yeah there's the, the, exactly there's a level of acceptance there's also a kind of private intimate knowledge of each other that you don't share with anyone else you never break that boundary you don't tell your girlfriends you don't tell your guy friends you don't say like oh my god my boyfriend my girlfriend's such a freak in bed let me tell you what like you have to keep that sealed because that's what makes a really great sex life when you guys can keep each other's secrets and fantasies it opens up your world in a major way especially for couples who have been together long term a lot of the time it's the long-term couples that are more scared to bring that up you've been sleeping with the same person for 10 years 20 years and now suddenly you want to be able to call him or her daddy or whatever like that's scary to to break that norm that's already been established in the relationship and say like, hey, I want to try something new. I've always fantasized about this. I've always wanted to try this. But that's really how you have a great sex life. Well, there's so much more at stake then, right? There's like so much more going on in terms of like, okay, well, we've been together for 10 years. We own a house. We've got kids. We've got animals, like whatever. We've got all this stuff going on. But then, you know, if it's earlier in a relationship and you're only six months in or so, and you're like, well, I'm going to take this risk and say these things, whatever. And if the person doesn't like it, well, that's all right. Cause we're only six months in. Um, so it's like, you know, my, my, that's when I knew I could marry Chris when I, 
told him I had a fantasy about Mitch McConnell and he was totally fine with that. So, you know, like, <laughs> As an adult yeah, baby. Well, well, in handcuffs. Well, in, in handcuffs. Yes. Oh, I've exactly. got all kinds of fantasies about Mitch McConnell, but they may yeah. not be sexual. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but like, let's say you're trying to, you're creating this connection with someone. And I think that keeping it in a sphere, keeping it locked up, keeping it, this is the thing that stays yeah. between us. But I worry digitally. Um, you know, when, when my, my partner and I were long distance, we had a lot of digital sexual interaction and I was always really worried that like I had never turned the camera off or that it was recording or that I was accidentally like Facebook living this thing or whatever. And so like, how do you get to talking dirty with someone like across digital, you know, in these times of COVID and sort of feel secure that it's going to be secure with that person and secure digitally? It's, it's a great question. And, you know, look, I'm not a digital maven. You need to talk to my partner, Eric, about that. He can tell <laughs> a number of companies, including a reputation management company that he helps people who have that actually happen. And then it goes live and he helps them save their online reputation. First of all, you have to make sure you're with someone you trust 100%. And you have to be diligent and careful, make sure things are turned off, make sure that on your end, you're doing everything to protect yourself. But you don't do this with someone you don't know very well. I, I talk to too many people and look, Eric's company and Eric talks to too many people who make the mistake of trusting someone early on. You've been swiping left and right and there's, you know, your right swipe and you've been talking and things are heating up and suddenly you are taking your clothes off on camera with your face showing and you don't know what's going to happen with that. So make sure it's someone that you really trust. Make sure you take precautions. And also just to be extra careful, don't show your face. Have everything be headless, you know, from the from the neck down, whether it's pictures or video or you in action live, just don't show your face or wear a mask. If you're into BDSM, that could be very cool. And look, masks are very happening these days, obviously. <laughs> yeah, people get frisky with masks. I didn't think about that. And I bet, Dr. Jen, that dirty talk is going to change a little bit too. It's not going to be, ooh, you're a dirty girl. It's going to be like, yeah, you don't wash your hands. <laughs> exactly. No, it's funny. I posted on my Insta Live, I was doing laundry last night and watching Fifty Shades. And I, and I posted, I said like, Oh, remember the days when a mask was all about BDSM, not about COVID. Like right. those were the days. The old school mask days. Well, Dr. Jen, as always, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And people can follow Dr. Jen at Dr. Jen Man. Two ends on Jen, two ends on Man. And you can follow our listeners' uh, good deeds by buying and picking up a copy of the Relationship Fix. We guarantee it'll make your life better. Dr. Jen, have a wonderful weekend. You too. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject. Welcome back, Allie and James. And we must share with you the gayest news headline finalists for the week so that you can vote over the weekend. But also wanted to share on our social media at DTS Show. My mini adventures had a last minute injury story that I wanted to share. My worst injury is a tall glass mason jar that was filled with forks and knives that broke in my hand and then fell on my bare foot. I probably should have gone to the ER to be safe, but I didn't have insurance at the time. I also told my girlfriend to take some of the stuff out of that jar the day before because I was scared it would break. Now I have a flap scar on my toe. Oh my gosh. A flap scar is like a big deal. That's like when they- What they, is a flap scar? You 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 either have a scar that makes that like a large enough incision in two different directions that you have a big piece of skin like flapping over or they have to actually like 
like graft one piece of skin to another to fix the 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 injury because it's so big you have to like graft new skin onto it and those are called like flaps it's usually done in a flap oh my gosh that that mason jar did a number <laughs> you know everyone loves mason jars but they have their flaws okay <laughs> listen, hipsters right listen you, you hipsters <laughs> All right, let's go through the gayest news headlines of the week. Now, every week on Friday, we share four finalists with you. These are the gayest of the gay. Sometimes, not intentionally, sometimes just accidental. It's the way the words are r- arranged together to just make it super LGBTQ plus and inclusive. Of course, we have to include them here on Channel Q. So without further ado, here are your four finalists for this week. Number one, Subdom hankers for daddy as Kier kills him with kindness. I don't know who Kier is, but I actually have a lot of questions about this headline, but that's not what this is about. This is just about <laughs> reading them and saying they're gay. Exactly. What's the next one? Number two, rear end collision leaves gaping hole on Big Cherry Road. Ooh, that's got a sting. Big I, Cherry Road. Yeah. Feeling hey a nice big gaping hole with those rear end collisions. Those rear that's end always collisions a bummer. will do it every time, I tell you. <laughs> Headline number three, Miami Beach pegs reopening. I'll bet you they do. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime Uh, pegging is involved, you know it's going to make it into the final for uh, gayest news headlines. Of course it is. And what's number four, Allie? Number four is 28 million gallons of sewage into Mianus. (laughs) No. (laughs) For the record, Allie could barely get through saying this one with... Into me anus. I think it is a headline from uh, our friends across the pond, by the way. So uh, can you do that? Can you can you give me a Scottish or an Irish on that one? Oh, this is a Scottish. So this is a city spelled I M I A N U S. Uh huh. Okay. (laughs) Twenty. You can do it. Ready to deep breath. Twenty-eight million gallons of sewage into me anus. (laughs) There it is. Your. Your gayest news headlines of the week. We will put these on the socials and the medias and the social medias. This Sunday, we want you to vote on Instagram for your favorite gay headline of the week. Subdom hankers for daddy as Kier kills him with kindness. Rear end collision leaves gaping hole on Big Cherry Road. Miami Beach pegs reopening or alley. Oh, hold on. I got it. I've got it. 28 million gallons of sewage and two me anus. <laughs> this is Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. The last hour of the last show of the week and the last show of the month of May. We were talking earlier on the show about what is the best last day of something. Last day of work, last day of high school, last day of work ever when you're going into retirement is probably pretty great. Oh, I will yeah. know that feeling for many years, but... It's important now that we take some time to pick the brain of soon-to-be Dr. James Simmons, nurse practitioner, and you answer people's questions, dumb ones and otherwise, all the time at Ask the NP. You can always tweet at him and direct message him on Instagram, any of your questions, all the questions you're too afraid to ask your MD. And we thought since it's Friday, we could do another Mythbusters edition where James yeah, has to answer rapid fire questions about some common health myths. Uh, Myths. Myths. (laughs) Okay. Hey, listen, we have had a pretty good quarantine brain free show so far. I think we've done, we've done pretty good with that. So you're allowed one mistake, Allie, um, for, 
for June. That was your June mistake. You cashed it in already. Oh, so damn you're, it. You're done now. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm sure I've, over, I've, I've gone over the cap in May for sure. I know that. <laughs> All right. So we've got some health myths here, and you are going to go through them. And, and where are we going to start, James? Well, I kind of I kind of like this first one right away here that, um, you know, this myth that alcohol warms you up. It's true. I don't have a doctorate, but I know it. <laughs> but I know it. So alcohol makes you feel warm because it dilates your blood vessels. And so blood rushes to where there's more of them, which is like out to your skin. It like rushes. It dilates the blood vessels in your skin. So your skin feels warmer, but your internal organs are actually colder. So it doesn't really help you to drink that whiskey or hot toddy when it's cold out to warm up. It's actually actually doing the opposite thing. Wow. Okay. So it's sort of similar to when somebody is in extreme cold conditions where their blood flow kind of goes to the, their extremities. Yes. And it very, very good. Very similar. The problem is you don't, you need your skin to work to like stay alive, but you really need your brain and your heart and your liver to work better to stay alive. So like, it's actually really important to keep blood flow going to those super important organs, um, which is, and also drinking alcohol is really dehydrating too. So like, if you are in one of these crisis situations where like, I'm really cold, I'm freezing to death, don't drink alcohol. Wow. Okay. All right. What's next? Um, I absolutely love this myth. Uh, it's something that totally, I wish more people knew about these things. Um, listen, tap water on the whole, a lot of people are not going to like this tap water on the whole, pretty much just as good as bottled water. Whoa. Unless you you live in Flint, Michigan. (laughs) Um, all joking aside, they are most of the time. The, the water that comes out of your tap has been like hyper ultra filtered. Now there are lots of minerals and things in those, in this water sometimes. And it's because it's treated and it's put through so much of a process. So if you are really trying to like get the cleanest water possible, you're actually not really doing that much better by buying bottled water. And you may actually be hurting the environment more by buying so much bottled plastic. Um, if you really want to distill your water, there's like distilling kits you can get online and you can like distill your own water. And that stuff tastes amazing, by the way. It is awesome. But more or less, unless you're like a super minerally sensitive person, the water out of the tap is going to be just as good as the water you're going to pay $3.99 for in a bottle. So you don't, there's the fluoride thing is a myth where they put a bunch of fluoride in the water, it eats away your teeth. No, they do. They do put fluoride in the water, but it's actually protective of your teeth. It actually okay. It so actually the smaller amount protect. is protecting, but yeah, the bi- yeah. uh, too much of it is bad. Right. Absolutely. Massive, massive, massive amounts is bad, but the amount that they put in the water generally is really good. Okay. Okay. All right. What else? Humans using only ten percent of their brain. Also a myth. Dun dun dun. Oh no! It's nine percent, isn't it? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on who's tweeting, the um, <laughs> we actually use pretty much all parts of our brain at all times. Different parts of our brains do different things. Now, some of this comes from you know where this first originated. Is we just there's still so much that we don't know about the brain. And when this this old adage came up, it was when we really didn't know a lot about the brain. We what they're really talking about is really high level, complex, abstract thinking only happens in certain parts of the brain. But the fact that I'm talking to you with my hands, I'm talking and thinking at the same time, I'm listening and talking, I'm in, uh, bringing in my environment, I'm smelling things, I'm thinking about peeing, like I'm thinking about the rest of my day. All of these things that are happening all at the same time require an incredible amount of very complex, intricate circuitry that goes on in our brain. We use a lot of our brain. 
Okay, so you're thinking about peeing right now while you're talking to me. And lots of other things. What am I going to have for lunch? How's the rest of my day going to go? Like, where'd you get your tank top? <laughs> where'd I get my tank top? <laughs> it, has, it has cats on it. So, I mean, it could be any any place. But uh, so untrue, even though one of the Hanson brothers did write about using only 10% of your brain. I think we have time for one or two more. Go ahead, James. Very good. a lot. You're, uh, you must drink eight glasses of water a day. Hmm, meh. You don't really need to. You should drink... The, you should drink to your thirst. And here's the thing. You kind of want to never let yourself get thirsty. If you are feeling thirsty, you're like, man, I need to drink some water. You're probably already headed down like dehydration, dehydration train station trying to make that work, but it didn't. Uh, so you should <laughs> That was drink- your June one. Oh, thank you. All right. Yeah, now I'm done. Woo, but it's my birthday month, Allie. Uh, <laughs> listen, drink water consistently throughout the day. Water or tea. Not soda, not all of these other things like that, that you just need some water. If you just drink water consistently throughout the day, it doesn't have to be like eight glasses, but you do want to keep yourself hydrated, but it's very different. Like I am a large beast of a human being. I need a little bit more water than the average person, right? So I might actually need 10 glasses. Allie, you might need four. Like it just, it varies per person. Yeah, I, I made the mistake of downloading an app that helps you drink a lot of water and then you put in your activity level and your weight and all those things. And it said that I needed to drink 90 ounces of water every day. Oh my. So yeah, and then it gives you a phone reminders as well. Like you got to drink more water. And so I was peeing every 10 minutes and going, I'm super hydrated right now, but I don't know. And what you're saying is that's not necessarily necessary. You just drink when you're thirsty. Yeah, or before I mean, you're thirsty. Yeah, try to try to not let yourself get thirsty. Um, you know, that's really a big one. And then the last one, I'll do this really quick. Jesse's telling us we got to go. But getting this base tan to prevent sunburns is a bunch of crap. No! It doesn't, it doesn't, really, it doesn't really work. I know we're going into summer. A lot of people are going to be laying out in their backyards because we're all still in quarantine. But, like, it doesn't really work. Still put on the sunscreen. Please use at least 50. Everybody, I don't care what your skin color is. And you got to reapply every 90 minutes or so. All right, wear sunscreen and don't fall into a thirst trap. All that. Thank you very much at Ask the NP. This has concluded Ask the NP for the week. And we're going to talk about a new study when it comes to LGBTQ people in the media and how it's affecting our acceptance. Very interesting. Stay tuned for that next. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, drop the subject with Allie and James Simmons and goddamn you, CNN. Stop it. Oh, my God, I hate you. It's a thing. She'll get you every time. There's only 14,000 ads on every website that we open from CNN. A minute or two after I open it. It's never (laughs) when I open it. It's never right away. It's like... It's like uh, when James Earl Jones was doing the voice for CNN early on. It was... There's just like too much of a pause. This is CNN. (laughs) You're like, oh, come on. Hurry up. A pause so pregnant. All right, this is Drop the Subject with Allie and James and wanted to update you. The reason I was opening a CNN article was because we wanted to share with you that the Minneapolis police officer who has since been fired after the video of, um, of jo- George Floyd's death, of course, has caused an incredible amount of uh, reaction nationwide and has uh, spurned a lot of protesting throughout the entire nation. And uh, he has been brought into custody so that is the official update he's been taken into custody by the minnesota bureau of criminal apprehension 
as fires continue to burn from violent protests overnight as demonstrators demanded justice for George Floyd. So we will certainly keep you updated about anything else that's going on. It's all we know for now. This is sort of breaking news update. And of course, CNN is great about ads and about keeping us updated. Yeah. And we, we thank you for that, uh, uh, CNN, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's a little bit of an update there. And also just wanted to share with you some something positive. Always good, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. We need a little positivity today, I believe. This is actually a really fun uh, and interesting finding from a new study done by GLAAD and Procter & Gamble together. The study was called LGBTQ Inclusion in Advertising and Media. Um, and they actually found that straight cisgender people who had been exposed to LGBTQ plus people in media over the past few years were more likely to accept members of the community and be supportive of the issues we face. Very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I wonder how they do these studies um, to kind of determine that. But I would imagine when you see the normalization of of an underrepresented culture that you're not necessarily that familiar with and you see that representation and you see it being normalized in the media, it normalizes it in your brain a little bit, I would imagine. And over the course of time, that would change your perspective on those groups that necessarily, that aren't necessarily a part of your life or that you've developed previous judgments about. Yeah, it's really it's really sort of significant, actually, that, you know, they're saying that of these individuals surveyed that those ex- exposed to LGBTQ plus folks in the media, 48 percent report being more accepting of gays and lesbians compared with 35 percent of people who had not been exposed to LGBTQ individuals in the media. So it, it goes back to this question about why it's so important for individuals who are in roles of any sort of prominence, whether in your community, in your family, or in the media, or advertising, or whatever, that being out matters. And if that is a journey that is comfortable for you and acceptable for you, and you're able to sort of accessible for you, and you're sort of able to be out, um, that it's really powerful, that it can really change a lot of people's minds. And I think we all probably have stories and situations in our lives where we've come out where there are individuals who we sort of thought were never going to be the people who would accept me for being gay or queer non-binary or trans or whatever and then their simple exposure to you as another human being that they love and respected changed their minds about your you know your community and that particular part of your identity right that takes one and no one mentality kind of does hold some relevance in that situation because I, I have a, a cousin whose grandmother, I mean, this their whole family's Mormon and she was always, she, she was like very anti-LGBT and my cousin eventually had a conversation with her and was like, Allie's gay and you've seen her grow up. Like, you know that mm. that's a part of who she is. Like, we grew mm-hmm. up completely, like we, she was the super prissy one who always wanted to wear dresses and heels and I was the one in like ripped jeans and combat boots and that was just me and it took the you know the my cousin's grandmother that experience to kind of put things in perspective and be like oh yeah i've seen this person i know this person i love this person and it's similar in the media where the sense you have you develop an attachment for characters and and whether fiction or news reporters people in the media media in general people who are in that public eye i know um a couple other people that are older that i know um anderson cooper is a big person for them where they're like hey, mm-hmm. you know so those people in the media really matter and they are making a difference so that's something nice and positive that we can kind of think about and reflect on today and it really is yeah. i think that 
the just, you know, as much as a hard time as I give her on the show and have <laughs> since I've been guest co-hosting. But, you know, Ellen really changed the game. She really she did. did for so many of us in so many different ways. And I remember, you know, like we knew the Ellen coming out episode was coming. and We threw a big party in college and like we got everyone together and it was like a whole big thing on campus. And it made a really, really big deal. I mean, it was a, it was a huge thing. And so, you know, these trailblazers who do these things. And now it's just like Ellen talking about Portia on her show, which is the most watched daytime show in TV, like. It's just a thing for for people. Yeah, and it really has it. changed things. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, diversity matters. Definitely nice to see some change happening. Okay, when we get back, news that or lose it is on deck. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it. Drop the subject on the new channel Q. James Q. Simmons, guest co-hosting with your Allie Johnson. It is that time in the show. Allie Johnson for News It or Lose It. I've got three headlines. You've got a binger, banger, dinger, clinger. There she is for the last binger, banger, dinger, clinger of the week. Headline number one, Allie. I didn't donate my kidney to save somebody's life so that I can die at the hands of Republicans who are being callous liars. <laughs> Republicans. Is this just, a, just something from you? or <laughs> Right. Uh, Republicans in Pennsylvania hid a state rep's positive COVID-19 diagnosis <gasps> from their Democratic colleagues for a week. You know what? I did see this briefly, and I would like to break it down a little more, so I'm going to news it. Word. Uh, woman divides internet after adding rogue item to her full English breakfast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then, uh, sorry for uh, all of the Madge stands out there, but Madonna posted a video tribute to George Floyd, and it didn't go well. Oh, no. (laughs) I think you're going to get a three for three, buddy. Ding, 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 ding. We will start off with Madonna, who uh, this is just sort of, again, uh, Did it go as well as her COVID-19 thinking of all you... Bathtub thing? Kind of. I think she just was, you know, she posted brutal murder travels around the world. My son, David, dances to honor and pay tribute to George and his family and all acts of racism and discrimination that happen on a daily basis in America. Hashtag David Banda. Hashtag justice for George Floyd. Hashtag Michael Jackson. Hashtag Michael Jackson. He's dancing to Michael Jackson in the in the video. Oh, (laughs) I was um, like, why are we randomly adding him to this? Yeah. Um, but, okay. Well, a child dancing to Michael Jackson has its own problems, but yes, well, go on. And it's her adopted black child who's dancing to pay tribute. I mean, I guess I, guess I, I get see. the sentiment, uh-huh. but like literally this, this is the best. April Rain, who's the creator of the hashtag Oscars So White campaign. She actually tweeted, nobody asked Madonna to weigh in today. Not a soul. Unforced errors among public figures have been rampant this month. Add Madonna. <laughs> like, add, wait, say that last part again. Add, add Madonna. Like, add Madonna to the list. Oh, but but she said forced. I I just want to that that one sentence was really interesting. Will you say it again? Nobody asked Madonna to weigh in today. Not a soul. Unforced errors among public figures have been rampant this month. Unforced errors. Unforced errors. Like, (laughs) I'm kind of there. Like, thank you, Madonna, I guess. But like, we don't need to hear it. Like, this is not, again, it's like her bubble bath during COVID. It's it's like, just tone deaf and like, just shut up. Like, just because you're, I actually don't, 
I don't want to hear from you. Nobody wants to hear from celebrities right now. Yeah, we, we kind of don't. I just um, like, just shut up for a little bit. Just like your silence is golden right now. It it really is. We will but, get quickly into this one. Our uh-huh. lovely Mr. Brian Sims, who is a state representative from Pennsylvania, who is a very out and proud gay man um, and also very popular amongst he's been in p-town he goes to prides he does all of this thing because he's a little bit of a looker but he also is very very passionate about serving his people this is what he had to say after uh finding out that republicans in pennsylvania had hit a state rep's positive covid19 diagnosis from their democratic colleagues for a week holy shit exposing all of us up here to this crap while covering up covering up what was going on while simultaneously telling people, telling families that it was safe to be outside, that it was safe to be interacting with other people while you were testing positive, while you were quarantining the people around you, while you were doing contact tracing and not notifying a single Democratic member who has to show up here every single day for this crap. (laughs) I mean, girl, tell us how you really feel. You know, the word crap really does go a long way, especially when you use it at the beginning and the end of a rant. It's just like that crap bookend. It really, really works. <laughs> it, it really, really does work. Like you just crap here and you crap there. <laughs> uh, Brian Sims has been known. He's obviously a Democrat. He's been known for um, uh, being pretty vocal and pretty uh, out there about a lot of different topics. Not out there, but like very supportive of a lot of different topics, particularly of the community. He's done a lot, uh, particularly for the trans community in, the, uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, but this obviously got his goat pretty bad and the video has now since gone viral because he's in a suit and tie and he's in his office at the like at the yeah. uh congress in pennsylvania and he's like loses his mind and you're like all right miss like get it i would be so pissed off too though uh yeah and representative andrew lewis by the way is the republican who tested positive and didn't tell anybody for a week shall we end news it or lose it on a happier note Allie? yes let's do it so we talk about breakfast, right? And this is in particular an English breakfast. So there's a, you like an over medium egg, a couple of, of sides. dick. Of him. Right. Yes. Uh, there's some sausage beans. But this woman added an odd mix to her breakfast and the internet is now on fire. What do you think about peas for your breakfast, Allie? Peas. I don't want peas ever. Get peas out of my face. This Get is not pe- a... Not a green dress, gray dress thing for you? Just like no peas? No, just a no. No, peas suck. (laughs) Do we not all agree? Why do they exist? And you can only buy them in can form because they suck. Okay? (laughs) I don't want peas in my home. (laughs) I will not give peas a chance. Oh. I thought you said we were ending this on a happy note. And I'm incensed. And I'm not going to crap deal with this crap. Fine, we'll end on a happy note for real. Happy endings is next. This is Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Well, it is time to say our goodbyes here on Drop the Subject. Unfortunately, it is our time to depart. It's Allie, it's James Simmons. James Simmons, soon to be a doctor. And it's the last talking segment of the last show of the last day of the week of the last of this last month i can't believe it's gonna be june already dude so, yeah <laughs> that's a great reaction dude, dude. it's june <laughs> i think i've been having that same reaction since high school and it still kind of works so we're just gonna keep going with it <laughs> so 18 year old james was like right. dude it's june back dude. when you were <laughs> <laughs> back in 1838 when I was 18 years old. Yeah. Oh, stop it. You look fresh as a daisy. Oh, thank y'all. 
All right, it's time to get to our happy ending portion of the show. Yeah, that's right. It's time to take some positive things. Well, it's time to take some negative things and turn them into positive things, rather. So, And if you ever have any happy endings, by the way, you can always tweet them at us, at DTS Show, on Twitter and on Instagram. Your happy endings are probably going to be better than ours, let's be honest. Let's and be honest. Let's be honest. And if you missed anything on today's show, wow, you missed a lot. We talked to Dr. Jen. We talked to Jason Carter. We played Who Tweeted It?, Gave you a lot of incredible updates on things going on in this world, this crazy, insane world. We talked about tweets and executive orders against tweets, prepping your pets for going back to work, uh, all kinds of stuff. Gayest news headlines. So what is your happy ending, James Simmons? Ellen might be getting more shade on Twitter than Kellyanne Conway, but at least she isn't trying to sell her soul for attention like Grimes. Oh. <laughs> so you're throwing her in the mix, huh? Uh, in the melting yeah, yeah, pot yeah. of... <laughs> I just, you know, I decided I'd give her one last shot before I completely am just done with her. Yeah. <laughs> with her child name, Balek. Balek. <laughs> Did you see... You've seen Shit's Creek, right? Of course, yes. When it's like one of the first episodes when David said that he used to host an art gallery where it was a woman dressed as a fawn breastfeeding all the people that came to the <laughs> art show. I forgot about that. That's amazing. That's exactly what makes me think of this. Like, I can't. You're like, just stop. What are you doing? <laughs> Jesus, I can't. Yeah. And of course, it's here in L.A. too. Like, no of wonder course pe- it is. people hate Los Angeles, right? They're I like, know. Wow, we get it. I, we get it. I sold my soul to Boba a long time ago. Boba. Boba. <laughs> Asai. Take uh, Allie, uh Allie Johnson, do you have a happy ending? You know what? I do, but... We got a special request from a listener, and of course, at DTS Show on our Twitter and Instagram, we're always wanting to hear from you and wanting to listen to you and have your voices be heard on the show. Somebody asked and requested the Avril Lavigne So Much For My Happy Ending song, which Emmy, a previous producer on the show, who's who we know and love, she used to use that every time she didn't have a happy ending because she was emo and over happy endings half the time. So... Uh, without further ado, I forego my happy ending to bring you Avril Lavigne. Well, thank you, Avril. Thank you, James. Thanks, Jesse. Sure, why not? And sure. thank you, loyal, wonderful listeners. We will see you next week for a brand new week of radio goodness, and I hope you have a wonderful, safe weekend. We will see you then. Whoa. <laughs> you get uh, uh, our happy ending will be we'll give you one more chance Ali <laughs> try it again ready <clears throat> we'll see you then oh damn it on the, ne- on the next drop the subject on the next show pride month is upon us and since it's going virtual we'll have how to's you never knew you needed like how to make a virtual float how to virtually throw up on your friend how to virtually collect a bunch of useless tote bags so click your virtual heels grab your flag and get ready for the drunkest zooms you've ever had zoom zoom oh god it's already starting zoom drop the subject 12 to 2 pacific 3 to 5 eastern on the new channel Thank you.